Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. He is a three-time Cup Series champion, one of the greatest drivers of all time, and he is with us here for the next hour on NASCAR America. Tony Stewart will discuss everything from what life is like now to how he expects Stewart Haas to fare in the playoffs and what the future may look like for Danica Patrick. and still having fun and I'm still going to harass as many people every week as I can. And today, the one and only Tony Stewart here to harass us in studio for the next hour. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Carol Lomano, Kyle Petty, Jeff Burton, and of course, Tony. Thanks for being here. I'm glad, glad to, to be here. You. Thanks for the offer. You are probably the busiest retired person I think I've ever met, <laughs> if that's even a fair assessment. How's, how's everything going for you now? You're absolutely right. It is very busy, but it's it's totally different when you're busy doing stuff that you really love doing and, and are having fun with. So it uh, doesn't mean I wasn't having fun being busy before, but it's it's nice because if I get too busy doing one thing and I want to change and do something else, I have the ability to adjust my schedule and switch gears and do something different. So that's that in itself is worth its weight in gold. When my dad retired, he said he still did the same stuff. He just didn't get to drive the race car. Um, is that hard? That was hard for him to begin with because he was still having to sign autographs and do all the appearances. He just didn't get the fun out of it. You know what I mean? You know, and to be honest, I have more fun doing that now than I did when I was a driver because when you're a driver, and especially at the track, I mean, we love our fans. We love the fact that they have that access to us. But when I'm going from the garage back to the motorhome or from the motorhome to the garage or from the garage to the trailer, the transporter or vice versa, I'm thinking about that car and what's going on with that yeah. car. And if I had a bad session, a bad practice, and I'm unhappy with my race car, I don't want to deal with anybody. Yeah. I, at, at best, I want to de- I don't want to deal with the crew chief even, but I have to deal with him, so I <laughs> darn sure don't want to deal with anybody else. So, yeah. But now walking through the garage, it's you're still busy because you're still in a hurry to get where you got to go, but it's not... I don't miss driver intros yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah. if I miss the first five minutes of practice because I'm talking to somebody, I don't mind, but yeah. that's the best part is you can kind of enjoy walking around more and, and you have time to go visit with people that you don't get a chance to see all the time. So that that flexibility is, I mean, it, it, I know it sounds stupid, but no. just the flexibility alone in what you're doing time-wise is, is great. I mean, that's what makes it fun now. Well, Carolyn said you're the busiest retired person that she's ever seen, but what are you doing? What, what, Everything. What is, what... <laughs> so I... <laughs> We got. Thank God we got an hour because we're, we're going to talk about this. So the I, short version. I, I have 
the four cup teams, obviously. I have Donnie Schatz in the uh, World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series. I'm race, I've raced about 50 sprint car races myself, and I'm racing all kinds of different sanctioning bodies. I have the Articat All-Star Circuit of Champions Sprint Car Series that I run. Um, and then last summer, or actually last spring, we started a project that has been very time-consuming. We are breeding white-tailed deer on my property in Indiana. Really? So uh, we've got a lot of projects, and if I want to be outdoors and getting dirty and muddy and working on working with equipment, I be I can be busy doing that. If I want to be in Charlotte and be at the shop, I can be there, and I can race as much or as little yeah. as I want. So I've got plenty of options of what to do with my time. So really? first, when do you sleep? In between all that. Okay. Sometimes in the middle <laughs> of the day. Just checking. Sometimes in the middle yeah. of the day, sometimes for a couple hours in the middle of the night. But, I mean, it's, uh, like I say, it's it's a busier schedule than what I had before, but it's actually all right because I'm, I'm having a lot of fun yeah. doing it all. Earlier, I was asking Tony what was easier, herding deer or herding cup drivers <laughs> on race day. And I think he said maybe the deer were easier. Yeah. Is that I right? I found out real quick that baby deer with really short legs are still a hell of a faster than I <laughs> What does it? What does it mean to be an owner in the Cup Series now? I mean, it, we've seen you're the youngest owner by about 30 years in the Cup Series. Okay, so let's, <laughs> everybody let's, else yeah, is really old. Yeah, so let's that. look at it. I mean, you know, 80 years old. My dad just turned 80. You've got Penske. You've got Roush. You've got Rick uh, Hendrick. You've got Joe Gibbs. You are the future of our sport from an owner's perspective. Isn't and that a scary that, thought by itself? It's not. A th- <laughs> no, you say that and we laugh about it, but it's not a scary thought. Because your passion is the sport, and you just rattled off everything that you, you, how you're involved. But what does it mean for you to be that guy and be that standard bearer as a young owner? Well, I think every one of those organizations you mentioned, they have a plan. Yeah. They, they know what's going to happen in the next generation. So those teams are still going to thrive and still be successful. But I love being a part of it, and thankfully I have a partner with Gene Haas that is as passionate about racing as I am. I mean, obviously he has his F1 program. I mean, he's involved in racing. He loves it. So I'm appreciative that I have somebody like Gene that lets me be a part of it and lets me continue to be a part of this sport for many years. Yeah, I'm going to jump in one more because you mentioned a word, passion. Penske has passion. Richard Petty has passion. Rick Hendrick has passion. Joe Gibbs. And I know they have a plan, but you have the passion to drive that bus. Do you see other owners coming into this sport who have that same passion? Because I, I don't know what their plans are, but just because you hand it off to a guy to run the business doesn't mean he has the passion. True, very true. I mean, I think there's enough guys, and you look at these, if you just take each individual organization and you look at what the plan is for down yeah. the road, I think there's guys in place that they've been around this sport for a long time and they have that passion. You, you don't. This sport is very grueling, as, as we all know. I mean, it takes a lot of time, a lot of dedication, and you're away from your families, yeah. you're away from your friends to do it, you have to be dedicated and you have to be passionate about it. So for those guys to have already been in, in play and in place for this amount of time, that's why they will be the guys that lead it down the road. Yeah. So, so let's talk about this year. And you have, you have two teams that have a chance to win a championship. Handicap them for us. Tell us where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, and can they win a win the championship? We'll start with Kevin. I mean, obviously Kevin knows how to win a championship. Both of my guys know how to win championships. But... Kevin is real methodical about how he does things. You, you've been a teammate with him. You know how he thinks. He he analyzes every aspect of the program and analyzes every aspect of how this chase works and, and how you can win it and how you can also lose it. And so when he plans his strategy each week, he, he has a good game plan in mind off of past history, not of just himself, but 
he studies everybody and, and figures out what worked and what didn't work. Kurt, same thing. I mean, Kurt analyzes everything, <laughs> not not only inside the car, outside the car. He's very he's very much a guy that analyzes everything. But you know, Kurt got off to a, a, a bad start at, at Chicago, and not by any fault of his own. I mean, he felt a vibration. He thought it was a loose wheel. Came in, fought back to nineteenth, and he's thirteenth in the in the standings. So he's not out of it by any means, but. You guys know every phase of this. I mean, when you have one bad race, that's 33.3% of that stretch and that segment of the chase. So you can't handicap yourself like that. But we've all three been drivers and know when you're in that situation, he's got to sit there and analyze and think about, if I stay out here and it is a loose wheel and that wheel breaks or falls off, I'm out for the race. If I come in, I'm penalizing myself and putting myself two laps down, which ended up happening. But that's a hard decision to sit there and make that decision and say, I'm coming down pit road this next time by, I mean, you've, you've yeah. stamped your ticket. I mean, that's a hard decision to make, but also it's a, it's a decision of maturity as well. And sitting there going, this is the, the lesser of the two evils. It, so the reason that decision is so hard is because we've all complained about a vibrating <laughs> wheel, true. wheels loose, yeah. come down pit road, they take it off. Hey, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. And so then the next time, Carolyn, you're like, I don't want to pit because you yeah. know, the last time we did this, there was nothing wrong. So that's always in the back of your mind. It's like, why am I pitting right here? And but a guy like Kurt having the, you know, the kind of the courage to say, you look, I know this is the issue. I'm going to hit pit road. I'm assuming you appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I brought it up. I mean, this is the first race of the chase. Everybody's yeah. nerves are up. You want to get off to a good start and to have to make that decision. That is a tough decision to make. So to, to have the courage to make that decision yeah. That's that's a ballsy deal. I mean, it's either way, it's a ballsy deal yeah. to stay out or to come in. Yeah. But to sit there and say, and and analyze in your head, say this is of the two options. This is probably the lesser of the two evils. But at the same time, you're sitting there in your head going, man, I hope it better be loose when I get in there. Or they're going to lynch me. <laughs> yeah. That's the hard part. I mean, it's it's a hard decision to make either way. Yeah, uh, you know, and we saw that with Kevin. Was was it Kevin last year? Uh, cut a tire someplace and, or had one rub and then stayed out, stayed out until it, yeah, yep. and, and backed into the wall. So it is a hard decision. You've raced in so many different championships and so many different divisions, but let's go to the cup level from straight up points to chase to now playoffs. And this is a twist on what we've had. As you stand and you look at the playoff system that we have now, how tough is this three race move on, three race move on over other things that you've got? Because your five wins out of ten to win that championship in a tie with Carl Edwards will go down as one of the greatest championships ever. The, this format is the toughest it's ever been, and and it's just strictly it's strictly math. I mean, it's yeah. there's no other way to, to, to define it than numbers. So, you know, when we when we first started the chase and we had ten weeks, you, if you had one bad week, you were like, man, that was ten percent of what was going on, and that could take you out of the championship. Yeah. Well, now now you're breaking it down in four segments of it. In three race deals, and like we said, it's 33%. One race is 33% of that. So if you have a problem, I mean, 10% for one race was a lot easier to overcome than 33%. Yes. So it's it's really tough, and it's it's not a this first segment. I don't think is about winning races as much as it's about making sure you don't have a mistake. Yeah. Because you can't win the championship in this first segment, but you can sure lose it in the first segment if you do things wrong. It's funny. Drivers have described each round as many seasons because so yeah, many yeah. things go into each one. We're off to a great start with Tony Stewart. He's not going anywhere, and neither should you. Coming up, we're going to get Tony's thoughts on Danica Patrick's future and also the future 
of Stuart Haas Racing. A long-standing rivalry firing up once again in Chicagoland. Did Tony play a small role in the beef between Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski? And we are joined by newly crowned IndyCar champion Joseph Newgarden. Is this the start of a new era in open wheel? Answers on the way. Welcome back, everybody. One of the biggest stories from the first week of the playoffs was um, the pleasantries that were exchanged on Twitter between Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch. Uh, Brad taking issue uh, with Toyota and some manufacturing issues, and then Kyle Busch responded. We can't show you the full tweet. There was a, an acronym that we'll have to leave out, even though this is cable. The sad face, I think, um, explains some of it. He wasn't too thrilled with what Brad had been saying. No surprise there. But to make matters even more awkward, they both rode on the same truck during the pre-race ceremonies. And after these two best buddies got off the truck, our Dave Burns spoke with Kyle Busch. Tony Stewart was nearby. Well, he's catching up with Smoke right now, who I've got to believe that the advice given here in the situation could be very interesting. We'll, we'll talk to Tony on Tuesday about what that was all about. Uh, did he tell you any good advice about the ongoing uh, discussions between you and Brad? No, he just said uh, good luck today, you know, and, and get after it. And obviously that uh, he's proud of the way that everything's been going for our team. You know, it's, it's cool to have uh, a friend like that from another team be able to say things uh, that make you feel better about yourself and what you've been doing and what your team's been able to accomplish this season. All right, it, it is Tuesday, so fess up, uh, Tony. Was that was that oh. uh, Kyle Bush said he gave you the salute? For the most well. part, yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, he told me I was number one, and I appreciate him still <laughs> yeah. telling me yeah. that I'm still performing well. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was ribbing him. I was giving him a hard time because I was from afar watching – uh, during my sprint car races that weekend, I was watching this battle go on. And then I show up, and, and I'm going out to pit road to get our drivers tucked into the cars and go watch the race. And I'm laughing because I see them in the same truck together. I'm like, that is karma. So I was joking around with him about it. But I told him, I said, I thought I thought the way he handled it for, for Kyle Busch, that's really yeah. – he, he did a good job handling it. Yeah. So. So, so, so what's your opinion of 2017 Twitter Wars? <laughs> I, I enjoy watching it from afar. Yeah, it's good entertainment. I enjoy good. not being the one in the middle of it, but it, it is definitely very entertaining to watch. It, it is an era where uh, the thing is I love how everybody's really brave when they got a phone in their hand, but when they get next to each other, they're not near as brave to talk about it. Okay, and excellent point, because, and I'm, I'm going down this road hard because I tell people all the time, do you think that David Pearson ever called up <laughs> Kelly Yarber and said, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm sorry I got into you out there today. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just, just, just good race. Tweeting, texting, all of this stuff. Has it taken something, an edge away from where these drivers were? No, I don't think so. I think it's done the opposite now okay. because now they're throwing jabs at each other. Yeah, where, but behind a computer. Yes. Yeah. They won't do it. They won't do it face to face like we all had to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. When we threw jabs, we literally we threw, threw jabs. jabs. We I threw mean, jabs. That's we all true. three have That's done true. that. So yeah. They don't do it this day. People maybe. used to tell me my dad had the longest finger in the world when <laughs> yeah. he was mad at you when he was in your chest. I, you know what's interesting is that you used to you know when you, you would get in a conflict with each other you would you know you'd get in each other's face and yeah. walk off and then there was no, nothing else but now. You're still mad where you're like, da, 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 right? Yeah. I, I should have said this, and you send yeah. it off, you know? We, we all used to sit there and get on the plane, and by the time we got home, the adrenaline had wore That's off. Right. Yeah. 90% of the emotion had wore off. And in the morning, we always waited till the morning you call and said, listen, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said what I said. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that, and that was normally the end of it. Yeah. And now it just carries on. And then 
the best part about it is we're doing it over social media where we have where we have hundreds of thousands of people that are sitting there yeah poking the fire <laughs> and poking keeping it going and media members that are just as willing to keep that fire burning and, and, and so i want to address this you, you talk about as the adrenaline wears off and we let it die brad has not let this issue die of the Toyotas having an, an advantage. And he, he's just built it to basically a crescendo by the time the playoffs started. Um, and, and you're very outspoken. We've all been outspoken about things. The way he's handling, what do you think about that? But what that tells me is that's not a heat of the moment yes. thought. This is, this is something he's thought about and he's very passionate about for him to keep hammering on this point. He believes that. He's standing. And I give him credit. I mean, it's it takes a lot of guts to yeah. sit there and make a comment like that and stand behind it. So I give him credit for saying what he believes in and standing behind it and not wavering from it. it it's it's hard because in this day and age where everybody's got an opinion and everybody's willing to voice their opinion when they can do it behind a, a yeah. phone. Yeah, he's he's the guy that stood there and he's I guarantee you, he's taken a lot of punches on social media oh, yeah. about it too. Sure. But he's standing behind what he believes in, and I, I think there's something to be said for that. So he he drives a Ford. You own Fords. You. Where are you? I mean, is what he's saying is it? I'm in Indiana, and I'm sprint car racing. <laughs> I let those guys do that. Here, here's the thing: I don't drive the car, so I don't know what they're fighting. You know, we don't know what the Penske side's fighting. Yep. I know what our cars are fighting. I know what we're looking for. But this is NASCAR, and this is what seventy odd years of NASCAR yeah. racing now. There's always been a manufacturer that's had an advantage over somebody else. It's our job to now go to work and do our work to get caught up. So. And if that means lobbying the NASCAR, that's the part of this that, that frustrated, that always frustrated me as a driver, is the political side. I don't like the political side. Just go to work, make your stuff better, and go on down the road. But with the rules package as tight as it is, I mean, you have to lobby with NASCAR because there's only so much you can work on. There's only so far you can go with it, and then you're going to have to have NASCAR's help. So NASCAR is watching all this behind the scenes, and trust me, they love it because all it does is give more attention to the sport. But they are watching. They're going to analyze everything. They'll figure out exactly what it needs to do to make sure that there's a level playing field. Well, I know that when Carolyn threw it to us, she was nervous that yeah. where this was going to go. And we were going to leave. <laughs> she was just nervous we were going to leave. Very well behaved. Was, we been, were very well behaved. She's here. been nervous since the time we sat down in the chair for the first time. <laughs> yeah. so. That's true. Yeah. But we're going to send it back to the responsible uh -huh. one. Yeah, like exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah, I always find Kyle Petty right after NASCAR married. I just confront him head on about the issues that we've had during the show. I believe in that. Um, listen, this has been a silly show so far, and the NASCAR silly season has certainly lived up to its name. Coming up next, we're going to examine the future of some of the sports biggest names and the plans that Stuart Haas may have on the horizon. Stick around. Well, tomorrow on NASCAR America, Marty Snyder, Steve Letarte, and Dale Jarrett are joined by special guest Eric Jones, live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. These shows offer such a unique insight into these Cup Series drivers and who they really are, though I wonder if any mullet questions are going to be posed to Eric Jones. It all gets started at 5 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Make sure you're with us for that. Eric Jones is going to the 20 car next year with Joe Gibbs Racing. And some other news today regarding next year. Casey Kane is going to the 95 car, replacing Michael McDowell at Levine Family Racing. Team also confirming to NASCAR.com that it will remain technical partners with RCR. Kane has been with Hendrick Motorsports since 2012, but is leaving at the end of this season. Danica Patrick's future, also uh, more uncertain after recently announcing that she is going to be leaving Stuart Haas Racing at season's end. What do you see for Danica's future? A lot of options, really. 
I mean, Danica is one of the few people that has the ability to stay in NASCAR if she wants, go back to IndyCar, or go road racing. There's not a lot of drivers that that have been released this year that have that option to go do so many things. And that it shows how versatile and talented she really is to have that many options. So it's really going to be a matter of what, what does she want to do? Where's her heart at? Where's her mind at? And what does she really want to do for the next 5, 10, 15 years? Before we go any further, we have to mention Aspen Dental because it's one of the reasons that you're here. And Stuart Haas Racing has been aligned with them as partners since 2012. And then they aligned with Danica back in 2014. Tell us a little bit about why you're representing them here and why you're with us today. Well, they're a great company. I've had a lot of fun with them. They, they're really good at thinking outside the box. I mean, when you're talking about a dental company as a sponsor, you, you don't go to grocery stores and have promotions or car dealerships. So doing some of the promotions we've had has been a lot of fun. But, you know, just like the Chase is getting started, they're getting started as well and trying to get people aware of being able to go to the dentist. And they've got over 600 locations across the country. And it's great for guys like us that are traveling all the time because once you're in their system, you can, if your dentist is in Charlotte, you can go to Arizona to yeah. Aspen Dental there and, and get in and, and get your teeth cleaned or whatever you need. So it's a great company to work with. Uh, they've been a lot of fun but at the same time. I mean, we did a promotion at Talladega where we literally took, and of all places, Talladega, when I say this. Because <laughs> I, I see the look in your eye. I didn't say anything. I know, you, you looked at me. at me. I saw the look in your <laughs> eye. I know where this goes. But we took fans out of the infield and literally Aspen Dental helicoptered us over to an Aspen Dental in, in Aniston and got their teeth cleaned. No and, way. Uh, Wow. Yeah, that's cool. No kidding. That it was a lot of fun. It yeah. was actually. Can I send Kyle Petty for a root canal just yes. for fun? Look at yeah, I made wife. sure the chair I sat in didn't. I didn't just see any drills or anything. But I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm still one of those guys that's petrified to go to the dentist. And it, I'll be honest, it was the shortest amount of time I can ever remember being at the yeah. dentist and feeling comfortable when I left. I was impressed that le- this morning listening to you on Dan Patrick when you talked about how many locations they have. Because yeah. listen, we've all hit walls, and and I can't tell you how many times. You hit a wall and spit out a tooth, or just the top part of it, or something. And, and I, I, that's the old way. That's the that's the old school. I mean, that's old school, man. I mean, before soft walls, that's the way it was. These now are mine. That, These are mine. Covered, These now are mine. that we've okay. covered this thoroughly, now that we've covered okay, this sorry, thoroughly, sorry. let's let's dental for all let's, your needs. Let's go back to the future of your organization. Uh, there's probably some things that you can't tell us, but can you tell us anything about what you see for the future of the ten and even the future of the forty-one? Well, obviously. You know, we don't we don't know exactly who's going to be in the 10 car yet, but we're working on it. We've got a new partner with Smithfield that we're excited about. They've been great to work with so far, and I'm really excited about that partnership. The 41 car is kind of still up in the air, and, and the reason that uh, we didn't exercise Kurt's option wasn't because we don't want him there. We we fully intend on having him next year, but it's obviously dictating on dictated on sponsorship. These cars don't run themselves, and it costs a lot of money to do it. So... We, we, we need to make sure we have sponsorship for that car before we commit to him for next year. But our plan at Stuart Haas Racing is to have Kurt Busch in that car next year with, with Monster and, and Haas Automation. So, so whether the situation with Kurt gets worked out or not, you still have the seat to fill in the 10 car. So when you're evaluating drivers, how does that go? Are you looking for youth? Are you looking for experience, skill? I mean, how, how do you go about the evaluation process? You hope you can find one that has all of that. But part of the equation is timing as much as anything and and you know this i mean just like this year with matt kenseth and and casey kane uh, and now danica i mean there's a lot of times you don't have that many options of of who that's already in the series or in nascar system that you you feel like is somebody that you want to put in a position at your organization so you obviously want to look down the line on who's coming but you have to fill that seat now 
So we're, we're looking at options of uh, who's available. Uh, you, you're trying to find out whose contracts are up, when they're up. So a lot of it's timing. Timing is everything in this scenario. You know, again, you had some good comments, and, and you went down a road this morning on Dan Patrick talking about the youth movement and talking about young drivers and having that edge and putting it all on the line week in and week out until they hit really hard. And then once they hit really hard, backing it up and saying, okay, if I put myself in this position and I step over that line, that's when they get to the point where they know how to win races and they know how to win championships. Um, Cole Custer and your, and you guys organization shows a lot of promise as you look across at all these young guys. Uh, and we talk about timing and you talk about the drivers you have and the drivers you see coming up. Is there anybody that piques your interest other than, than Cole right now? Really? Cole's the one that I'm really proud of. I'm, I'm very proud of this kid. I mean, for the first two years I knew Cole, he never spoke to me. Yeah. And probably 75% of the time that he was in front of me, he couldn't even look me in the eyes. <laughs> I mean, that's how shy of a kid he is. But when he puts a helmet on, it's amazing, the transformation. And and now he's more comfortable and he talks more. And But, I mean, this kid is a talented race car driver. I mean, I go down to the, the Chili Bowl in Tulsa every year, and he's been down there a couple of years in a row with the Midget. Yeah. That's a tough event, and he does a great job in it. So it shows his versatility. It shows me raw talent, and that's something that that's what you're looking for. You want to see guys that you know have raw talent, uh, but they, they have to be able to do the job, and especially right now when this we're in some movement here where we're trying to find 14, 15, 16-year-old kids to drive race cars. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I just I, yeah. I, I still don't understand it, but unfortunately that's, that's the direction. It doesn't mean that we don't respect the kids that are 14, 15, 16 years old, but if society doesn't trust you to drive a car until you're 16 years old, <laughs> why in the hell are we letting them drive race cars yeah. 200 miles an hour? Good That's point. A fair Good point. point. That's, That's a fair a, point. That is a fair point. But it doesn't mean we don't believe in their abilities. Yes. But like you mentioned, I mean, that's why we mentioned, I mean, I know, I know it sounds silly when we say they haven't had a hard hit yet. Yeah. But I'm telling you, when you crash hard and you're laying in a hospital room and your legs broke or your back's broke, it makes you have plenty of time to think about how hard you hit, yeah. how much it hurts. And how long is it going to take you to recover from it? So when you get put in that scenario the next time, yeah. you may not push the envelope like these young guys do. And, and it's it's in all forms of racing. It doesn't matter whether yeah. it's NASCAR, whether it's sprint car racing, late models, whatever. Those those young kids that haven't had a hard hit yet, I don't I don't like evaluating a guy that young till they've taken a bad yeah. hit. Because yeah. then once they've had that first bad hit, then you know what you're looking at. Yeah. We're actually going to hear from Cole uh, coming up on the other side of the break because we're going to the Xfinity Series media day uh, for the playoffs. So we'll hear from him in just a little bit. And also still to come, Tony's going to step into the mayor's office with Jeff Burton as they discuss some of the challenges that NASCAR is currently facing and what changes might need to be made. Plus, we're joined by 26-year-old IndyCar champion Joseph Newgarden, who's quickly become one of the sport's brightest young stars. All that and more coming up. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. He might be in position two and car number two, but he will be number one. Joseph Newgarden is the 2017 Verizon IndyCar Series champion. In his first season with Team Penske, 26-year-old American Joseph Newgarden earned his first title in the IndyCar Series, and he is kind enough to join us now. Joseph, congratulations. You are IndyCar's youngest champion in 14 years. Has what you've accomplished set in yet? 
You know, not quite yet. You know, when I when I cross the finish line, certainly you're you're really thrilled for everyone involved. But um, you know, the interview process after the race was really the one the one thing that uh, kind of hit home with me. You know, I saw some of my family there, and makes you think about everything that goes into to getting to the professional level, and then you know, succeeding at that. That's that's a whole other thing. So, I think once this off season sets in, and we get a little bit of time at home. It's it's really going to hit um, hit us hit us close on on what we were able to do this year. You had three very talented veterans as teammates this season in Simon Pagano and Will Power and Elio Castroneves. Where did they help you the most? You know, for me, it was about adaptability, trying to adapt to a new program that, you know, I didn't really know much about. Um, I'm, I'm very familiar with IndyCar racing. You know, it's not my, my first time in the sport. Uh, this is my sixth season running, so I'm far from a rookie, but, you know, a rookie to Team Penske in the way they operate, the way they drive the race cars, the way they set them up. So my teammates were great at just uh, really letting me be a part of that group right from the beginning, trying to contribute and, and trying to help me learn everything that I needed to learn so that I could contribute to the team and, and help us be stronger overall. And I think that's why some of the, some of the times this year you saw performances from us uh, where we were one through four in qualifying, the entire team. We were able to make our race cars just that good, so much better than the competition because of the way we were working together. No doubt you've been so strong. And one of the things that we talk about on NASCAR America frequently is the youth movement that we've seen in NASCAR and with your teammate uh, in Penske, Ryan Blaney, very much included in that group on the NASCAR side. But for you, being so young and winning this title with those three veterans, how do you view your role in helping IndyCar grow in very much the same way? Well, there's always a natural turnover, right? So you've got that going on with NASCAR, like you talked about. And IndyCar is kind of going through the same thing. Um, you know, it's, it's going to happen from time to time where you have guys that have been in the sports the, for, for a long time that become icons within the sport. And they pretty much accomplish everything they can. And then, you know, time's up and they, they got to do other things. And, and then that's when you get that turnover of the new talent within the sport. You know, you mentioned Ryan Blaney. He's, uh, he's, he's one of those guys that's, that's in NASCAR now that, you know, everyone's looking to see, you know, how far is he going to go in his career, and he has such a, a bright future in front of him. So uh, it's, I think, the same thing in IndyCar. You know, we've got a lot of young talent that, that's trying to show the way and, and trying to prove themselves, and it's exciting. To me, when you get that, it, it's it's exciting for those young guys to try and prove themselves against the, the already proven people in the sport. You know, it's, it's a, that's, a, that's a process that they have to go through, and I think it's fascinating to watch. And you've been able to build so many relationships through the Penske organization and beyond as a result of your success. Who have you gotten congratulations from? You know, we've had uh, so many texts come in. We've had a lot of support online, obviously, with, with social media now. It's so easy to, to access people that you might not even know or you might not have their number. So it's it's very easy to reach out nowadays. I have by no means seen all of it. It's, it's impossible <laughs> to see everything. We've been running for the last 48 hours trying to cover this championship and, and spread the word of, of what went on in the Verizon IndyCar Series this year. But, you know, some of the cool ones to me are, are, the, are the guys from within the sport. You know, you talked about Ryan Blaney. He had reached out to me. We just talked a little bit earlier over text and you know just uh really nice of him to follow along what we're doing on the IndyCar side it's actually been it's it's so interesting you know how how much we're we're following each other the NASCAR guys are interested in what we do we're interested in what the NASCAR guys are doing and it's it's really fun to, to watch each other's different disciplines within the sport but you know when you get a text from you know guys from the NASCAR side or, or other guys from IndyCar that have, have been successful they know what it takes they know what the process is they know how hard you have to work to get to this point so to me, those are the texts that mean the most. Well, you are certainly very much a part of a young and talented group of drivers in motorsports that's coming up at the right time. Get some sleep when you can. Congratulations and enjoy the offseason. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.
And while IndyCar crowned a champion last weekend, the playoffs are just beginning for the Xfinity Series this weekend at Kentucky as 12 drivers look to make their mark. Let's hear from a few of those contenders as they get set to go for the championship. We're going to continue to do things as we've done. We've got a plan drawn out. We've had been on kind of a playoff plan since the end of July, beginning of August, to make sure our cars are lined up and uh, we had everything in place. And, and we're, we're as prepared as if any race team I've ever been on to, to make a run in the playoffs, and we can't wait to, to, to get started. I want to be that champion. I feel like to, to, to satisfy my cravings and, and feel a hole that's probably void right now uh, for, for me to try to win a championship is something I really want to do. Try to get the best finish you can and, and uh, try and minimize the mistakes. So I feel like everything's going to be magnified more, so you're going to have to uh, to make sure you don't make any mistakes and, and uh, really put yourself in a good position. So uh, we're going to some of our best racetracks, I feel like, so uh, hopefully we can get wins there. You know, it's something that I would love to add to to the collection and add to what I've, you know, done growing up. So I feel like it's a it's a big goal for me and definitely knowing how last year went and how it is like to lose one, I wanna definitely win one. Right now we're back to racing hard. Round one, race hard. See what we got, see what our Chevrolet is. I got a brand new Richard Childress Chevrolet for this week. So we're we wanna see how fast it can be and that's that's the goal this week. Then we'll see what round two and round three brings. He's been an idol for all of us growing up, so I mean, to work with him and his name and everything, and just he's an awesome guy. I mean, it's just definitely one of the best people you can be around. It would be awesome. I mean, especially for a first-year team, it would be uh, unreal for us to get a championship, and I think uh, we have the speed to do it. I think uh, we can definitely accomplish that, and that's our goal. So I think uh, we'll definitely have a shot at it. We're going to get back to the Cup Series when we come back. Jeff Burton has opened the doors to the mayor's office, and Tony's going to make his way over to offer his take on some of the sport's biggest topics and challenges. And we are starting to get some news coming through that could have a potential impact on the player playoffs involving one of the playoff drivers. We'll tell you about that when we come back as well. But it's kind of hard to drive at 200 miles an hour and you're yelling at somebody. Oh, no, it's easy. It's I mean, a lot, we, we lot can easier do than you think it is. Well, I can yell at the kids in the back seat when I'm going 45. <laughs> How difficult were you to deal with when you were in the car? Uh, it depends on which crew chief you ask. <laughs> you thought about working in the media at all? I have, but they want you to shave and they want you to wear ties and suits, and I'm not really a suit well, what and tie if, guy. What if they said you don't have to? You don't I, have I to wouldn't shave. be interested in that. Oh, you would? See, this is the kind of place that I could work. You don't have to shave here. <laughs> Kyle Petty wears or a ponytail every single day. Uh, that was Tony Stewart on Dan Patrick earlier today. It's been a pretty day, uh, pretty busy day for him. We can't let him leave the studio, though, no. without visiting the mayor's office. True. Jeff, what do you have? So if I'm the mayor, I take donations. I, yeah. <laughs> Most mayors do. <laughs> so you're an old school racer. And, and, you know, I look, I look at you like A.J. Floyd and, and that kind of guy. But, this, you know, NASCAR racing today is different than it was old school. Stage racing, uh, the points, the playoffs, all that stuff. What do you think of that? I'll be honest. I like the stage racing. I really think it's added something that's unique, uh, especially a third of the way into the race. I mean, before we used to sit there in the first half of the race, we used to sit there and not really worry about racing each other. We were wor more worried about getting the balance of our car where we wanted it to be, and then that way use the last half of the race to get in position to, to have the finish we wanted. So I like it. I think we've seen some unique strategies of guys that have come in with a caution with eight or ten to go that put their tires on, and then during the break stay out, guys that are trying to go forward or backward and trying to plan for the next stage. So I think it's been pretty exciting. I, I 
I'm a big fan of the stage part of it. So, so what's the challenge of the sport? Like we, we hear a lot, you know, we hear a lot about the good, the bad, but what do you, when you look at the sport, 10,000 foot view, what do you think needs the most attention? Well, I think there's always going to be challenges. So this conversation's never, you're never going to fix one or two things and then 10 years down the road say, well, we fixed that. <laughs> it's always going to be an ongoing challenge, but technology is the biggest thing. I mean, we have to control the technology in the sport. You can't let it get out of control. You can't get behind times and make it look like it were the Flintstones, but at the same time, the technology's driving way too much of the sport that needs to be about people and about what drivers can show, how they can showcase their talents. I still think it's about trying to figure out how to take aero off the car and get more mechanical grip in the tires and the chassis to where guys can run closer to each other to where track position, we hear way too much about track position yep. being that important. And we need to figure out how to not make that important as, as, as much as it used to be. So is the only way to battle technology is more rules, more NASCAR on top of that? How else can you do it? Because you know that you're a team owner. You know, your guys are coming to you every day saying, I need this, I want this. I mean, how do you control it other than making more rules? I think what people don't realize, and we hear the fans all the time saying, well, there's too many rules. There's not too many rules. You have to have these rules. If we don't have rules and keep adding rules, it will get so out of control. You only have two or three organizations and six or eight cars that have a shot at winning a race or a championship. They have to. NASCAR does a pretty good job, I think. And the hard thing for NASCAR is the teams are very, very smart. They're very resourceful. You have teams like Ganassi, Penske. Uh, you have the Toyota teams that have TRD. Uh, we got the Ford Performance side. All the organizations have resources that NASCAR can't get ahead of. Yep. They're, the, the, the manufacturers are ahead of NASCAR, so NASCAR is constantly in a stage of having to react. I think they do a pretty good job of that. And the great thing is th there's no knee-jerk reactions on it. We hammer on them and hammer on them and hammer on them. The whole time we're doing that, they're trying to analyze, is this the right thing? Is this an area that we need to change? And I think that's something that the people don't really realize. So, so you, you, don't have the prob you don't have a problem with penalties on Tuesday or Wednesday? No, I think you have to because we're in an era now where everybody keeps pushing the envelope. I mean, we, we penalize crew chiefs and give them two or three weeks off, but still they're around the racetrack. <laughs> I never understood They have that. <laughs> digital radios, so they're still being very active. But it's uh, you still have to have these things in place. I mean, there's a lot that has to be. Uh, with, with this sport, as technical as it is, you have to make the package tighter. If, if, if the technology wasn't involved and it was about people drawing stuff up on paper, you could loosen things up a lot and make it a lot of fun. But... Technology's got so involved, and it's the 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 uh, engineers and engineering behind it is so technical that you have to you you got to kind of clamp down, or else if not, you let it out a little bit, you're letting it out a lot, and it's going to get out of control. Well, good news for you, that was a quick mayor session, so we'll send it back to the, <laughs> to the more responsible people over there with Carolyn. And Kyle. Are you sure they're more responsible? Uh, yeah, than us? maybe Kyle and responsible. Maybe that <laughs> right. There you tie, go. But Carolyn's over there. <laughs> yes, Jeff, and we have confirmed some breaking news, and it involves a playoff contender. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will bring you that information as soon as we come back. Stay with us on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by New Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Welcome back to NASCAR America, everybody. So we just got some breaking news, and for that, we want to welcome in our own Nate Ryan to help us digest this. Nate, what are you hearing? What do you know? Well, um, Carolyn, uh, Chase Elliott has been hit with, uh, his team has been hit with an L1 penalty for 
improper uh, modification to affect aerodynamics, and that means a one-race suspension for Crew Chief Alan Gustafson and Car Chief Joshua Kirk. Uh, Alan Gustafson, Gustafson was also fined $25,000, and uh, perhaps most importantly here, the finish was encumbered, which means that Chase Elliott loses the playoff point that he got from winning Stage 2 uh, Sunday at Chicagoland, and he also receives, and the team receives, a 15-point deduction, and that will drop Chase Elliott from 6th to 8th in the standings. He's still fairly you know, well ahead of the cut line at this point with two races to go in the first round, uh, but that will obviously affect his, his ability now to, to, to advance. It, it uh, hampers him a little bit. So, Nate, I don't want to put you in a tough position because I know that this is just breaking, but do you have any inclination right now as to why they may have incurred this penalty that's significant specifically? Well, as I said, Carolyn, the, the language uh, in the penalty announcement from NASCAR is that they were, the team was discovered to be in violation of Section 20.20, uh, in the NASCAR rulebook, and that is modifications to affect the aerodynamic properties of, of the race car. And now, I don't have any further confirmation from NASCAR on, on what that is. This is typical to, as, to how they announce penalties. They just give you what the infraction was per the rulebook. Uh, I can say, though, that since last night, there's been a lot of social media chatter. There was a Reddit thread, actually, about uh, some video of Chase Elliott's car and a lot of people speculating about if there were modifications made to the spoiler. And you know, I've also heard today that there's been photos out there that, that teams have sent to NASCAR um, also indicating this. So I, I'm not going to be able to confirm or, or draw a direct line from that to this penalty today. But you know, I think it's fair to say that this penalty today comes out in the heels of a lot of discussion about this and speculation about this in the NASCAR industry since yesterday. All right, Nate. So as you continue to work the story, thank you for the very latest that you have right now. I'll welcome our analysts in for just some brief discussion. And based on what Nate just said, which is that it is way too early right now to speculate as to why they may have incurred this penalty, despite what's happening on Reddit and some of this video that we've seen. All that aside, how big of a deal is it to incur a level one penalty at the beginning of the playoffs? At, at any penalty is big at any, any given time. You know, L1 is supposed to be the top of the heap, right? No, right. the other way. Other, L5? That's, that's the confusing part. <laughs> yeah, it's no, hard for all of us. Yeah, no, no, you're right. No, and L5 is, you know, like the death penalty. The death penalty. Oh, so right. you give this guy a penalty, and you're right. I'm, I'm sorry, I've got it backwards in my head. But you, you give a penalty, and he drops two positions. And it's like we were talking during the break. Tony's got a guy who pits with a with a... With, thinks he's got a wheel loose, who's out there running, who hasn't cheated anyone, who hasn't done anything, who hasn't bent the rules, or there's not a rules infraction, and he's still 13th in points. So this guy changed the outcome of the race by what they did. If there's a penalty during the race, sometimes I just think they should be stricter. There, there's so much on the line right now with the, with, with the playoffs have started. And, and the the desire to do well is really high, and the reward for doing well is even higher. Well, the penalties for stepping out of bounds have to escalate because the only – you know, I had a – Emmanuel Zervakis years ago told me, he said, if you, he's a late model, built yeah. late model chassis, he's been yeah. around racing forever. He told me, he said, if you don't make people do the right thing, they're not going to. Yeah. And, and, and that's the truth. And, and so, you know, these penalties are, are a, a good thing as I see it, but – NASCAR is going to have to ramp these penalties up because this sport has to be, it has to have integrity. When a person watches this race, they, they have to know 
that everybody's playing by the same rules. And people are going to have, unfortunately, the people that are breaking the rules are going to have to pay a much, much, much bigger price. I appreciate NASCAR making the penalty and making the call, but the, the penalty is just going to have to keep getting escalated. I, I realize that Tony's in a difficult position. I want to just yeah. stay with you on this, Jeff, and, and show this video that our cameras actually caught over the weekend. I want you to walk us through this and see what you see happening behind Chase Elliott as it relates to... If we can re-rack it again, we'll just kind of have you take us through what you may or may not be seeing at this time. Well, you know, these pictures have been on social media for the last couple of days. And, and this this video was was on, we, you know, we showed it. And, the, you know, you can see on the, you know, messing with the back of the spoiler, trying to get something what appears to be trying to get something off of the spoiler. And then in front of the the right the right rear tire, you can see a, a little bit of a, uh, something going on there and then a little bit of a loop on the spoiler and all that is 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 lips trying to create more downforce now you know i hate to say this but we're speculating a little bit that that's what this is but we believe that's that's what this is that these pictures are out and and to be honest with you and tony i'm not putting tony on the spot but what's amazing about this is that the teams know that photographers are shooting every single lap of every single car and and the teams look at the the pictures of each other to compare their cars to each other. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's a great tool that the teams have now. So it's pretty brave to to make these to make these adjustments where you yeah. you know people are going to see it. People are at the end of the day, it's going to be seen. The very latest that we're hearing on this now is that Hendrick has decided that they're not going to appeal this penalty, so they're just going to move forward in the playoffs and I guess just try to to regroup and put this behind them. But you hate this from a momentum standpoint, especially when he had a stage win in the first round of the playoffs and many people were waiting for Chase Elliott to really kind of show up and get that signature win. Well, if they move along, it's one point. Yeah. If they move along in the playoffs, they, they may not. But if you move along, essentially, it's do you want to comment on this? Because I mean, you're here, well, but not and only you're that, in the middle of this. We're but, just we're just. But the reason I would say that you see Hendrick not disputing it is the fact of you want to get that crew chief's penalty out of the way now. Yeah. Don't wait and and Good have point. to go through the appeal process and back that up to another stage of the of the of the chase that is more important right yeah. now. So losing that one point, I, I don't know how many total points was it? Fifteen, sixteen total then. Yeah. So, essentially 15. Yeah. So right and now, then, backing up to eighth in, in points, it's it's not that terrible. It's not it's not a big penalty. Yeah, that's what I. It, it, it's it's not that so big we right now. This now if this was not as big as you third think. phase okay. of the chase, then that would be a big yes, penalty. Yes, huge. But it's not right now. They did suspend the car chief, correct? And, yes. You know what they said? Yes. And that's something new. NASCAR has yeah. said, "You look, we're going to we're going to suspend the car chief because he touches the car every single time the car comes in. He touches the car." You know they let the they let the crew chief hang around, but the car chief not touching the car that that could be a so, serious. Let me ask you this: How big a penalty is that in real in all reality? Not very big, because there's depth in organizations that can take that position for the weekend. <laughs> all right, we're so. going to continue to chase this story all week on NASCAR America. In the meantime, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, for it with breaking Sorry, news, but we had a blast. Jason. I've never been a part of anything controversial in my life, so I'm, I'm glad to finally <laughs> be a part of it. You are such an angel. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have Eric Jones from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Make sure you're with us for that at 5 p.m. Eastern. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. 
Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.